Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hearing Eileen Bell talk about the, I guess, what is it, the town of Raymond, Alberta. As many of you know that follow football on a provincial level, uh, strong uh, Latter-day Saint community in Raymond, Lloyd Fairbanks, the former Calgary St. Peter offensive lineman, uh, coached that program forever. I would assert to you that the Alberta Golden Bears' best years in the last 25 years were when Daryl Salmon was their quarterback. They went 7-1 and in back-to-back seasons in 04 and 05, and he hailed uh, from Raymond. He came up with the Ralph boys. Those guys could play. For- I did not know, though, that it was a dry town. I had no idea that there was actually a, a dry town in the uh, province of Alberta. Uh, I do know an incredibly intimidating place to go down and play a high school football game for coaches. Uh, apparently, the the people go and they sort of come out. At, you know, you practice at night at that time of the year. That you know, you're usually talking late October, early November. And uh, somebody once referenced it was like children of the corn. People sort of showing up and watching your practice, and it's already intimidating enough because they always had great football teams back in the day. All right. There's your superfluous stoffer story for absolutely no purpose. This is Oilers Now, brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. We are going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline from the NHL Network. For Cadian custom-built homes, check out the Cadian show home, the Juliet, in Sherwood Park Golf Estates. For more information, head to CadianCustomHomes.com. We welcome back to the show from the NHL Network, former NHL general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the number one pick in the 1983 entry draft. It is Brian Lawton. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Fantastic, Bob. How are you? Good. Was there ever a place that you went to in high school, uh, and you were in an, at that time, it, it needed to be, you were in an atypical hockey, U.S. hockey market you grew up in. Uh, you were not in, like, even though you live now in Minnesota, you weren't in the state of, you know, state of hockey in Minnesota or in Boston. Maybe just educate the listeners where you grew up again. I grew up in Rhode Island, which essentially was about 28 miles from Boston. Okay. But I was in the state of Rhode Island, not Massachusetts. I played hockey solely because the Boston Bruins were so popular. There was nobody in my family that ever played hockey. It was just what we did as kids. I loved the big bad Bruins back then. Bobby Orr, of course, Phil Esposito, Johnny Busick, Don Markhart. I could name every single player on their teams. I was fascinated by it. But uh, in terms of where I played, I played high school hockey. Biggest games I played in high school hockey, one was against Bobby Carpenter. He was two years older than me. He was going on to the NHL draft. At that time, I would have been a sophomore. He was a senior, and he was selected, of course, third overall by the Washington Capitals. Uh, the second biggest game was probably against Tommy Barrasso, who also played in high school in Massachusetts. It was very abnormal because there were about 15 GMs at that game, as I recall. And uh, we ended up uh, giving it to them pretty good, about 7-3. to three. Uh, And it was a really, really fun game on the road in Acton, Boxborough, where Tommy Barrasso was from. Okay, I didn't realize, that, and, and, and I've never been to the state of uh, Rhode Island. I think you can understand that. Uh, we, we practice at Boston uh, University's uh, facility sometimes when we go there if the main arena is not available. Uh, it's named after a Greek gentleman, I believe. Uh, a real nice arena, by the way, like a spectacular. I mean, that's it's a... That's a 
powerhouse NCAA hockey program. Uh, so, how old were you when uh, when the Bruins lost to the Canadians in '71? Would you have been uh, seven, six years old? Six years. Was, yeah, you're a year older than me. Six years old. Yeah. Yep. That two was, year, two year to remember that, but certainly as I got older. Um, you know, I really followed the Bruins. Apparently, I used to watch all their games when I was six years old. Yeah. Uh, well, Bobby Orr was special. Uh, Wayne Gretzky was special. Art, let me ask you this. McDavid, just because of how Bobby was so advanced for the skating ability on his back end, and I, I might assert to you, I think Connor McDavid's the single most advanced skilled player we've ever seen. Is that am I out? Do I have the Oilers 3D beer goggles on there, or am I onto something when it comes to Connor? No, I absolutely agree with you. What people don't realize is, as a first pick in 1983 in the draft, I feel like there's 15 players on the Edmonton Oilers that are way more skilled than I was. It's just the way it is. We've just advanced that far. So to say Connor's the most skilled player ever, I don't think. Even the guys that were magicians like Gretzk and like Mario more maybe individually, one-on-one skills. Gretz was more Larry Birdish, think his way around the arena better than anybody else ever has. But, uh, yes, the things that Connor's done in his preparation for the NHL, even though we all played a ton, are way more than we were doing. And then when you add in the limitations that players had with the gloves in particular and the sticks – uh, you just could not hit a level that these guys can hit now. You could not shoot pucks the way these guys can shoot pucks. And almost everybody shoots like at a level of Brett Hull compared to way back then when Brett Hull was a complete albatross the way he shot the puck. Well, there were there were defensemen in the 70s that had difficulties pivoting both ways. And today... 100%. Like today... Virtually every defenseman is incredibly fluid in making that pivot step to the left or to the right. They can, they can, you know. So it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I'm not going to say they're tougher because the guys were pretty tough back then as well. Um, I, I brought this up earlier because we're having a little bit. And Connor doesn't care about the heart. He's won it. He wants to win. He wants Edmonton to win. That's where the drive is for him. Uh, and it's been even more noticeable this year when you're around him on a day-to-day basis. Just how, how And the Oilers are on a pretty good run right now, as you know, Brian. They're 8-1-1. One, and, one. and you picked Edmonton as a sleeper earlier in the year, did you not? I did. I picked him to uh, be the kind of a dark horse that could possibly win the Stanley Cup. That was before the season started. Yeah, well, crazy year, right? 16-5, and five, and then your, your good friend, Dave Tippett, uh, gets fired. And Jay Woodcroft uh, has gone 21-8-3 since. He's got a 703 winning percentage. Just on the MVP. So, you know, people mentioned, well, what about Huberto? Uh, you know, he's up. He's, he's leading the league in points. Goodrow's two points behind McDavid. Matthews has had a tremendous year. Just the, the, uh, a stat that we put out there, and somebody brought this to my attention about where McDavid's numbers were, so I compared it to everybody else. So Goodrow, when he's on the ice five on five, Florida's shooting the puck at 10.6%. Uh, when Goodrow's on the ice with the Flames and he plays on a terrific line, they're shooting the puck at 13.46%. When Matthews is on the ice and he plays on a real good line with the Leafs, they're at 11.85% five-on-five shooting percentage as a team. Dry settle is at 9.98. Connor is at 7.79%. He has been totally unlucky, snake bit. Um, the forward that he's played the most with five-on-five this year has been Paul Yarvey. 
Uh, case in point, Lindholm and Kachuk, 87% of the time the Goodrow's been on the ice at even strength. Those two guys have been out there. Pugliarvi's been out there for 56% of the time with Connor. Leon's only been out there with Connor 25% of the time at even strength. It just shows you, like, Connor's having, like, He's been at 11% the last two years, Brian, five-on-five five shooting percentage. The team has been when he's on the ice. He's at 7.79. He's way down in that stat, and yet he's right there for the scoring race. In other words, if he was at 11%, like most years, he'd probably have 130 and 135 points, and we might not be talking about an MVP race. You know what I'm saying? I agree 100%. And, uh like people don't realize everybody thinks that Leon and Connor play every minute together and therefore those guys have great scoring they drive each other but that's not really the case they do a ton of damage on the power play every you know every year but so does every other combination of good players it's whether or not they play together 5 on 5 that really matters in Connor's case uh there's a lot more to give i actually thought you know to be honest with you he could crest 130 points this year I really did, and I think if he hadn't been a little bit snake-bitten, we'd be talking about that for sure. That obviously is not something I believe will happen now. Um, but I will say this. Johnny Gaudreau, uh, Jonathan Huberto, you have to tip your cap to those guys in the seasons they're having. Austin Matthews, uh, the rate he's scoring goals at, you got to tip your cap. They've been incredible. Yep. They've upped their games. I think they see a guy like Connor. They see guys like Leon. And they say, we want to be better. Now, I can also tell you this. I'm doing a study just this afternoon for tonight's show, going back over goaltenders that have retired over the last five years. I think our goaltending's been down this year overall. And I'm also looking into guys that have had incredible steps ups in terms of goal scoring from last year to this year. Everybody's talking about Matt Duchesne's six goals last year. He's got 40, 13 the year before that. Uh, but I'm talking about guys like Tage Thompson scored eight goals last year. And you see what he's been able to do. Adrian Kempe got 34 goals right now. Kevin Fiala, new career highs. I've just, you know, there's something in the water this year, and that's what's so unusual about Connor's shooting percentage being down because we're scoring goals more easily than ever all the way across the league. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, team shooting percentage. Uh, we, we'll mention that because Connor's got a decent shooting percentage. He's not Leon. Leon's up around 20%. Uh, Brian, we have uh, just you, you mentioned the numbers way up in Edmonton experience out of Minnesota, which has been a brutal matchup. Uh, but the, the, the Wild, eight of their top nine forwards were having career years. Like the statistical probability of that happening... You know what I mean? And, and so you tip your hat to Dean Evison and to Bill Guerin for building a team like that. They obviously, like, they got to find a way to keep Kevin Fiala. I don't know how they do it, but they got to find a way to get that done because he has become, I mean, he's on pace for a 75-point season. Um, Huge step up. Huge. But, but when you see eight out of nine forwards in their top nine, that is crazy. Yeah, now, and people wouldn't realize that, but that, that's what they've built there. I love the way they play. They do, you know, Dean was a third-line checking center. So right away, and I played with Dean on two different teams. I know him quite well. He's a terrific human being. He's doing an incredible job. But his view of the game is a little bit more flat, you know. So the Minnesota Wild really suit his eye for how he gets everybody involved. And uh, it's been a perfect fit, and I credit Billy Guerin for recognizing that. Um, 
I love the way that Dean communicates with the players. There is no BS. Yeah. You know exactly where you stand. There's nothing malicious about it either. It's very professional and very direct. I've had a lot of conversations with Dino. Uh, I did not see that coming for him when he was in Washington as an assistant. Saw a little bit of it when he was in Milwaukee. And he has just absolutely reached his own personal peak as a coach, in my opinion, or just a ton of growth while he's been in Minnesota. We were in Minnesota uh, a week ago Tuesday, and at the end of Dean's Avail, he thought they'd blown her. Uh, the Kings jumped on him 3 nothing. They came back and scored seven straight goals, and he talked about being calm in the moment. And I asked him, you played uh, for Bill LaForge. Uh, for two seasons, you were his best player of the Kamloops Junior Oilers. How would he have had that same patient, calm? And he he just looked at me and smiled. And, you know, well, obviously, Bill, I mean, we're talking a complete, and he said it was a completely different time, right? You know, the early 1980s. Uh, for the listeners that are too young to know who Bill LaForge was, I mean, he had, along with Punch McLean, some of the toughest junior teams in Canadian hockey history. And they did some things that you can no longer do anymore in terms of strongly suggesting guys perhaps uh, act in a certain manner on the ice or make sure they take care of the details. All of them. They went down a path. You just can't, you can't coach that way anymore. Uh, but, no, it's, it's legendary. The things that they were doing, they weren't just like illegal in hockey. They were illegal in society. To really go back and look what was happening with his teams. And I mean crazy stuff. Go watch the movie Slapshot. You'll get a couple ideas from what they were doing way back when. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, red light, green light. And so he, <laughs> he had to green light his team when it was time to fight, and there was an expectation. Now, that said, there was some skill aspect to their approach as well. That the, His teams could score goals, uh, no question about it. Speaking of so, scoring goals, Joe Pavelski in town with Dallas. Uh, what a career the guy's had. He's got 75 points again. He was part of a shooting club with the San Jose Sharks, and he brought several other guys to spend extra time before the Sharks hit the ice every day at practice. That's a dedication that perhaps explains why a guy has a great career as Joe Pavelski as a seventh-round draft pick, doesn't it? Uh, it really does, and Joe's been a character guy since going back to Wisconsin. Uh, for the life of me, you know, he's one of those guys I look back at and think, why didn't I? I was an agent way back then. Why didn't I recruit this guy? He was a little bit small. Skating was not good enough back then. And here he is all these years later and just carved out an incredible career. The San Jose Sharks, in my opinion, really, you know, there were some errors that were made in judgment in terms of the character of players on their team. And that's what kind of turned them in a, a little bit of a downward spiral, in my opinion. They ended up substituting some players for other guys. And the character issue, I think, has hurt that organization. Joe Pawlowski is one of the highest character guys in the National Hockey League. 13 goals for Dallas in the bubble back in 1920. He's got 421 career goals in 1,162 games. The guy was the seventh-round draft choice. Final one for you. If uh, Mike Smith was playing like this for Dave Tippett, would Dave still have been the head coach? 100%. 100%. No doubt about it. You know, but in, in this particular case, I mean, the way the team is playing, change has been very strong for the Edmonton Oilers. Jay has done an incredible job. I'm very good friends with Dave Tippett. I think he's a tremendous coach. Um, but the facts are very strong as to 
how the team has made changes. Most of it has, you and I have talked about this, most of it is centered around the back end. Yep. And uh, Dave, Dave Manson has done an outstanding job with this group. He really has. And that's the biggest difference when I see uh, the Oilers play. The back end has played better and not unlike the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. You bring in Giordano, you get Muzzin back, and all of a sudden we're not talking every minute of every day about their goaltenders. Well, the same thing has happened with the Edmonton Oilers, in my opinion. Yeah, Mike Smith, by the way, 948 save percentage over the last nine games. As always, Brian, much appreciate your time. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. You bet. That is Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He started Octagon's player agencies. His appearances are brought to you on Oilers Now by Cadian Custom Built Homes. Check out the Cadian Show Home, the Juliet, in Sherwood Park Golf Estates. For more info, head to CadianCustomHomes.com. We'll tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Whether or not you're celebrating a special moment or simply saving a night of the town, Every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Tell Chris and Brendan that Oilers Now sent you. We'll get to some of your texts and get into the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers when we return. David at 42 goals, 110 points, plus 23 on the season. The Oilers 8-1-1 in their last 10. Jay Woodcroft, 21-8-3, 7-0-3, winning percentage. The Oilers 30-13-3 against the West. They play Dallas. Jack uh, just pointing me to a... Jack Michaels uh, pointing me to... A tweet courtesy of Matthew DeFranks, who covers the Stars. Stars expected lineup at Edmonton tonight. Robertson with Hintz and Pavelski, so that line will stay uh, together. Uh, Peterson, who did not play in the last game, will be with Sagan and Gurianov, so we'll split Ben and Sagan up. Ben will center Studenich and Ratulov, and then Faxa with Raffle and Glendening. On defense, Suter and Eichkinen, Lindell and Klingberg. That's the big one for them. They get Essa Lindell back. And then Hanley and Hockenpah, and it will be Scott Wedgwood and not Jake Ottinger starting goal. Ottinger's had a tough go here of late. Uh, Wedgwood since being traded uh, to Dallas is 3-0-2 at 2.69 goals against average. 9-16 save percentage in between the pipes. The Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Basically, we're looking at cleft bomb and tourists. That's it. I mean, the Oilers are healthy enough that they're scratching uh, three guys in numerical order on their roster. Devin Shore, Josh Archibald, and Derek Broussard, all available, 14, 15, and 16. A combined total of uh, 1,600 games between that trio. They're healthy scratchers. Cleft bomb obviously, uh, has not played the last two seasons LTIR. And Kyle Turris uh, has been out with an upper body injury on LTIR as well. We do expect a Vander Keen to play. Dallas down a couple goaltenders. Ben Bishop, lower body issues, been on LTIR for a while um, and will be next year. He's got a year left in his deal. The Stars, by the way, like the Oilers, are in LTIR. Half the league's in LTIR. Uh, Dallas got 14 players, $62 million committed. Uh, Klingberg's going to be an interesting UFA. They got the money to get him re-signed. There's no question about that. Again, that's the Oilers Now Injury Report for James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Brayden Holtby also out with a lower body issue for Dallas. And speaking of the Stars, the last time these uh, the Stars were in Edmonton to play a game was during the 1920 season, and Edmonton blew a 4-2 third period lead in that game. I think it was a Saturday afternoon game. Had Edmonton won that game, 
they would have had a bye in the first round. They would not have had to play. They would have finished fourth overall in the West instead of fifth and would have had a bye in the opening round. That's how tight it was. Instead, they ended up getting Chicago. But it wasn't the same without fans. Brendan, I, I know you heard part of that conversation, and we were, we were talking about scoring being up and the, these tremendous years that guys are having. And I mean, Goodrose had years in Calgary where his on-ice five-on-five shooting percentage when he's out there from for the Flames has been around 7.5%. He's at 13.46. Huberto's on a really deep offensive squad in Florida. Matthews, you know, Mitch Marner's a tremendous playmaker that he gets to play with. Scoring's significantly up in the league. It's over six goals per game this year, which means you know teams averaging three goals each a game. That's a good thing. Uh, Brian says he's investigating the goaltenders and the recent retirement of some key goalies in the league. What do you think is the major reason why scoring's gone up? Well, it's just an adaptation of the importance of skilled play by all players on all teams, right? Like, again, I think it's more of you've got uh, an overabundance of skilled players. That's what they work on now. And the way that you watch an offense carry the puck up the ice, Bob, move it back and forth, it's it looks a lot more like a video game now than it did, you know, five years ago or so. These are, are talented goaltenders and athletic goaltenders that get pulled out of position by great puck movement. So I don't think it's a it's a drop off in the goaltending. I, I struggle to find star goaltenders from the late '80s era, frankly. Well, there was one in Edmonton. His name was Grant Fear. But there you go. You could have uh, Texas at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Trent says Bob is Noah Phillip of the Alberta Golden Bears, who signed with the Oilers organization to an ATO. Is he going to be playing any games for the Condors down the stretch? I, I not tonight. Uh, we know that neither Carter Savoy nor uh, Noah Philp will be in the lineup. They just got in. Uh, Noah uh, got sick after the Bears returned uh, from the Atlantic coast, so he was delayed getting out there. I do expect both of them. Savoy will be playing for sure. There's no question about that. And I do expect Noah to get some games in as well. It's 12.58 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update and when uh, with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, we will hook up with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.